hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. And here we go. Line ball to start this game. Jeremy Loblotsky and John Morassi teeing off on one another. The Toporowski is just pounding away at Robinson. These, we said Toporowski, this is the guy who set a Western Hockey League record for 505 penalty minutes. Well, it's called like it is. Toporowski's a boon. Getting closer. He reaches in a right right back. He's not that Griffin. He's just fought. Stu Griffin. Oh, my goodness. Scott Parker for the KO of Stu Griffin. He- this is one of the best hockey fights we have seen in a long time. Bush tells the linesman, get the heck out of my kitchen. All right, Dexter. He absolutely decked Jim Crate with a wild right. Bashir staggered by a big left hand. On a penalty shot. Score! Blue guard down the wing. Blue guard pulls away. Score! Number 47 for Boston. Both guys, five minutes each for fighting! All right, here tonight, the second live interview we've ever done in the Enforcer Appreciation Group. I'm here with a man that managed to go from playing at an Ivy League school to playing a tough guy down in the Southern Leagues that were absolutely tough as shit back in the early 2000s to even going on to getting involved with NASCAR, and that is one Mr. Sean Pete. Sean, how you doing tonight, man? I'm good, Alec. How are you, man? Great. I hope that intro was good enough for you there. Yeah, no, I've got uh, man, I got all the redneck stuff covered, man. There you go. Well, I got my Bass Pro hat on for you there. We got the Huntsville <laughs> Channel Cats jersey, so hopefully we got enough. And I got well, you can't see it. I got fucking camo slippers going on, so we we got it all covered tonight. Awesome. <laughs> oh shit. Well, man, I appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast and shoot the shit with me for a bit here. Um, it's been a long time, you know, in the works. I've I've we've been back and forth before. I know we had scheduling, and then of course the pod went away for a little bit, and. Um, you know, now here we are. So I'm excited to finally have you on. Likewise, man. And like, I, I, I wanted to get with you when you're in Tampa, cause I wanted to put a hit out on Craig Stahl. If you would spear him in a men's league game, but uh, seeing that you've moved on, man, that probably won't happen. <laughs> well, f- I'd have to fucking catch him first because I know my, my fucking vendor <laughs> ass ain't catching Craig Stahl out there. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> oh shit. Um, well, man, before we get into your career here a bit, uh, I always like to ask everybody, you know, what they're kind of up to uh, post hockey life and what it's like after, you know, having a career. But you were actually involved in NASCAR. So how did you get into that? Yeah, I mean, I think we'll end up linking it to a story later on. But I was sitting out an 18 game suspension and um, I met a guy in the stands and it- the night I got my suspension, this guy was one of those guys that gravitated towards the tough guys. Right. So his wife was like you know called him was like wait till you get a load of this guy so i met him in the stands in a suit and tie Uh, my dad has a garage back on vancouver island he's like hey when your dad gets down here i'll show you around so fast forward two months my my old man comes down and he's showing us around bill davis racing and this was back when mechanics pitted the cars and uh practice was going terrible and the crew chief's like get the hockey player in here And, and i was like no no no, i'm just showing my dad around and uh they were insistent so i went and was about as fast as the guy who'd been doing it for the last five years. So, you know, they said, you know, do you want to do this? And I thought they were just kind of kidding around and um, they were persistent. So I ended up jacking the race car and it went well enough that I missed 
the first part of my second season with uh, New Mexico and, um, and it kind of started there. So absolute, um, you know, just a, a path in the road, Providence, whatever you want to call it, but not anything I ever thought would be my life's work. That's for sure. <laughs> I love it. Get the hockey player in here. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. What a way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and it's funny because when I started working for him, he would uh, he would tell the teams beside us, they're like, look, if you block us in, this guy's going to kick your ass. Like he, was, like he was just using it up, right? So it was um, it was really interesting, man. I, I laugh and tell people I spent 18 years trying to get to the National Hockey League. I made it to NASCAR in like six weeks. So <laughs> There you go. I path. love it. Got to love it. Our guy could kick your guy's ass over here. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic, man. Um so, well, you know, when did you kind of start playing hockey? Did you did you start playing hockey as soon as you could walk like most Canadian kids, or did you get into it a little bit later? No, I got into it later. We just didn't have a means for me to play hockey. So, um, you know, lots of road hockey. And then, you know, I kind of got a little later on and, uh, you know, finally had the opportunity to try it and uh, showed up to hockey school. My parents didn't realize you had to sharpen the skates. So first step <laughs> on the ice went flat on my face, which was kind of telling. They also didn't realize you needed jerseys. So I was a kid that showed up to hockey school day one with my, my skate sharpened and just my shoulder pads and my elbow pads. So oh, that's great. Um, that was kind of an indicator of things to come, man. But uh, yeah, I was probably <laughs> like nine or 10 when I started. Oh, well, there you go. I mean, well, I mean, I think Colt Norris started when he was right around that age. I know, I know Colt Norris said he's a late bloomer and look where that took him. So, uh, yeah, well, he I mean, skate. <laughs> well, he probably at least had a Jersey as well. <laughs> right, exactly. exactly. <laughs> oh shit. Absolutely. Um, well, so before, of course, as I mentioned in the intro, you know, you got into the Ivy league school of Dartmouth playing hockey there, but before that you ended up out in the BC league. How was it playing out there? Well, it was interesting, man. Like I said, I, um, you know, I was a little reluctant to come on the show because I just, you know, I think my path, I've always been around tough guys. So I've never considered myself a tough guy. So I did all my minor hockey with Steve Parsons. Um, so I was in my first bench clearing brawl, uh, because of Steve when I was 15 years old, which is <laughs> awesome. Uh, the parents broke it up with sticks, but, uh, you know, Steve was a really good player, man. And, uh, so cool to see how far he went with it you know what I mean because he, he had maybe the craziest journey out of anybody um but but we were all Nanaimo kids so I played my first year in Nanaimo um you know I knew Alec the only way I was going to make it is if I was willing to do anything so our first exhibition game uh trying to make the Clippers was against the Victoria Cougars and I remember running Steve Passmore and I knew John Baduke was on the ice and I still, I still lowered Jesus. my shoulder into a man. So that was, uh, I think that was the first beating I took. Um, and then just kind of went from there and I was on a, on the fourth line and, um, fought a bunch that rookie year. And, um, it, uh, gave me an opportunity to get traded into the interior the second year. So second year I played for the Penticton Panthers. And, and what's interesting is I was, um, there used to be these Lakeland super camps in Vancouver and you would go to them. So colleges could see you or Western league teams could see you. And I was on a team with Brad Wingfield and um, <laughs> we were both just uh, dropping the gloves for the first time. And it was really cool, man. Wingers, uh, uh, he's a great dude for those guys that know him. And uh, he beat the brakes off some kid, like first fight he's ever had. And you knew, I was like, Whoa, this is, and then I fought a couple, you know, a couple shifts later well, Mark Goble was the coach and he's the assistant coach up in Penticton. So sure enough, I get traded up there into the interior and then winger gets traded up there. 
So, and then there was this young rookie kid on the team. So our line for a while was Wingfield, Paul Ferrone, and myself. How was that? Did you guys even play with the little black thing on the ice? Oh my God. Like, you, you know, what was interesting though, is uh, when we got traded up there, we got traded up there to deal with this guy named John Morbido, who was a 20 year old, who was a killer. And um, he was tough enough that like a lot of our veterans would get the interior flu when, when we went out and played the interior swing. Well, to our good fortune, Vernon trades this dude to the coastal division, you know, a week before the season starts. And I'm like, wow, that's fantastic. We don't have to deal with this guy. And it was because they had a 16-year-old kid on the team. His name was Dale Perrington. Oh, ever hear about him? (laughs) (laughs) Ever heard of that guy? (laughs) First first time I heard about him was when he, um, as a 16-year-old, came by our bench pretending to do the Nordic track and asking if anyone anyone on the team wanted to fight him. Oh God. Yeah. Dale Parenton. Holy shit. That's a guy, man. And I, I swear, and I I've said it, I know Darren has said it over at fourth line voice. He probably came into well, the NHL probably like 10 years too late. Cause he was like tailor made for just being mean as shit for the eighties. Like he would have fit right in with like, you know, he did the whole eye gouging shit with Colt Nor and you know, everything like that. So it's unfortunate. I mean, good for him that he got to the show, but I think he would have lasted a little bit longer had he come in a bit sooner. And that's, that can be said for a lot of guys, especially in those later 2000s and shit. Oh, absolutely. But And then that kid hung a set, man. Imagine 16. Like, there's a big gap between a 16 and a 21-year-old. Oh, yeah. And he's rolling by our bench and just, you know, when you got Ferone on the bench and Wingfield and, hey, who, wants to, who on the team wants to go? So, and what was crazy is I ended up fighting him. And after that, he was the coolest dude. He was just, he was awesome. You know, he'd be like, "Hey, Pete, we're trying. I'm trying to get you traded here for the playoffs." And like, he was just, he was a good dude, man. All he wanted was, <laughs> and you scrapped him. He respected you, and uh, you know, I hope he's doing well in life. Cause I always, uh, I thought he was a good dude, man. No, absolutely, and yeah, fucking Puritan. He was tough as shit, man. Um, oh, yeah. So, well, you had you had no issues kind of jumping in uh, into the deep end and just starting fighting right off the rip there to kind of get yourself noticed. I had to. I had. I was such a bad player. You know what I mean? I, um, <laughs> It, it was either that or I was, I was not going to play. So I think it was just out of willingness. Um, and then I, you know, I got fairly decent at it. I, what I didn't have though, was that gear, right. That like that gear that um, like a Morasti or a Wingfield or even Parsons has, right. Where it's just like, you go hunting for it. I was, I was just a- always a willing combatant. You know, if you asked, absolutely. Right. Yeah. When you got like, I was like Morasti and Wingfield rolling around. They're just, you know, they're just asking about it. And I think one of my favorite stories with Morassi, and I forget where the fuck I heard it from, but it was when they were going on like a, a tear in Syracuse and um, somebody had said something in like about the, the crunch coming into town or whatever. And Morassi and Kanopka, and I think it was Sestito, maybe even Dorset, because I think they were all there at the same time. In the warmups, they were just sitting on the bench and they weren't doing anything. They were sitting there reading the newspaper, just reading it, because I think somebody had said something about the, the crunch coming into town. And they're sitting there, and some, some guy from the other team comes up and is like, you know, are you guys even going to warm up? Like, what are you guys doing? He's like, oh, no, we're just here to fight. Like, could you like, could you imagine that shit? Just pregame warm-ups, that's what you have to go into? Like, that, you have to go back into the locker room and come out and play when you got these four fucking animals just, oh, no, we're here to fight. <laughs> oh, I, agree. I, I agree. And like I said, that's just a different switch, man. You know it what is. I mean? and, it really uh, is. Some some guys have and some guys don't. And I just, like I said, I was willing, but I, I wasn't, I never went kind of only a couple times I went looking for it. And, and you know, what's interesting, Alec, I just listened to um, Joe Lazito when he was talking to Gillies yep. and Gillies talked about um, a kid he fought, I think, I think in the Metro league. And when I was at Dartmouth, 
you you got your sophomore spring off. So me and another guy went up, left college, and went and played in the Metro League as 20-year-olds. And I was fighting guys and winning because now it's my <laughs> turn to be a 20-year-old and fight 17-year-olds. Right. I fought this one 18-year-old kid, and oh, my God. Like, I, it, like it was just like a flat-out war. And it was funny because I could never figure out who it was. And um, and Gillies brought him up the other day. He was a Kanupka. He wasn't the, the one that played for the Lightning, but he was one of them. And, and that I've never been hit so hard by a, anyone ever. And uh, <laughs> it was just interesting that you brought that name up. So I, I, like I said, for 20 years, I've been able to make the connection. And then I realized, good Lord, there's there were some tough dudes up there. Dennis Maxwell was up there. Gillies. Yep. Um, Kanupka running around there. So fucking Kanopka. I loved Kanopka when he was in Tampa. It was it was so he was only there for a season, but goddamn he was fun to watch. He was so fun yeah. to watch. And he wasn't like the yeah. biggest dude, but he like he said he was he was looking for it. He didn't give a shit. He um, did not care, man. <laughs> uh well so before you know before we get to your, your actual pro career, you actually ended up in Dartmouth and playing for them in college hockey. How was that for you? It was awful. It was awful. I hated it. <laughs> Just um, awful. It was, dude. Like I I so I started, um, you know, because I, I wasn't a great player. I, I had a ton of stats because basically I was in Penticton protecting two really good players, right? Well, when you play with two really good players, they can bank it off your stick and it goes in the net, right? So I looked probably more attractive than I was. So it was a struggle at the start. I, we, I played JV, uh, got in a fright my freshman year. Um, so I sat for a month and a half because the coach was so pissed because they don't like fighting in college hockey. Right. Um, and then they moved me back to defense. Uh, so my first organized game at defense in hockey um, was against the University of Vermont. The first shift of forward lineup for uh, University of Vermont for that first shift for me on defense was Martin St. Louis, Eric Perrin, and the winger that played with him. So basically the puck <laughs> drop, they came down on my defense partner two on two. And it was it was like Top Gun when when Goose and Maverick lose Jester. And they're like, where'd he go? Where'd you where go? go? Dude, that, so <laughs> Needless to say, I was in the stands the next night, but, uh, so yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> the stands. It, it was a struggle, man, but it, uh, you know, it, it, it certainly emboldened me and, you know, cause I was never going to give up and I just fought and fought and fought. And by the time I was a senior, I was playing a bunch more. And I think that kind of, I would not have played the pro game as a forward. So I was lucky I got moved to defense. No, absolutely. And oh, fuck St. Louis and Perrin. Yeah, I remember them. Well, obviously, who doesn't remember St. Louis? But I know some people might not know who Eric Perrin is. But yeah, he could fucking, he was awesome too. Oh, Tim Thomas was a goalie. Like they were, they were <laughs> just fucking stacked. Just absolutely stacked. Yeah, and they were they were an hour from Dartmouth, right? So we would come out in our own rink and everyone would be chanting UVM because you couldn't get tickets in Burlington. So um, yeah, it was a tough, uh, it was a tough deal, man. But college hockey was. Um, yeah, it was just so different, man. It, you know, I had to have it because I was such a late bloomer. Like, if I was in the Western League at 20, I wasn't good enough at, at, at 20. At least it let me play till I was 23, and then, uh, you know, I could go from there. Did you notice any, like, was there a difference in how people acted in college? Because I know people oh. out there, like, you know, with the with the full, they got full cage on and everything. And I know some folks out there think that it's going to be safer if they put that into the NHL. So how, how was it actually in college hockey? it's terrible there's zero accountability you can say whatever you want to anybody and not have to back it up so like i mean i guess it's where you come from and what your code is but like there's no accountability right you can butt in spear do whatever you want say whatever you want you know call another guy pussy and not have to you know be called to the carpet unless you play pro 
And unless someone maybe has banked four years of memories of you telling him that, and, and I mean, we'll get into that later, but that's part of this, that whole 18 game suspension was you know, the dude I ended up fighting was a guy from Princeton. I had oh, to listen shit. to it for four, for four years. So it's just, uh, it's just a different game, man. It just really is. And um, some guys love it, but you only play two games a week. So like what, you know, where there's a cadence in the Western league, because you realize I have 82 games. I better, you know, pace myself. These guys get cranked up for Friday and Saturday night and sit for a week. So like you, you come up Friday night and guys are just have it on kill. And if you're a skilled player like Korea or Brendan Morrison or St. Louis, that's why they did so well because guys would just be trying to run around, you know, hammering them and they just slip them and on their way. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. It's funny. Yeah. Hockey players have long memories as, as they oh, say. Yeah. Um, so oh, I'm looking yeah. forward, I'm looking forward to getting to that story here in a little bit. Um, so, well, you, you actually ended up in Corpus Christi for your first pro year. How did you end up there after college? Well, actually, I was um, I was called by Gary Davidson in Central Texas, and I knew I knew Winger had played in Central Texas, so I called him and I'm like, "Hey, man, what do you what do you think?" And he was going to Corpus Christi, and he's like, "You should come to Corpus Christi, Taylor Hall, you know, the Canucks, this blah 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 blah." So, ends up that's where I ended up going. It was, and you know, I owe that to Winger, man. To be honest with you. And um, I went down there. I remember getting there and writing down everyone that was in camp and just did not see myself making that opening day roster. And, um, you know, I uh, had a couple, you know, I had a really good week of practice, went up to Austin. Um, first exhibition game fight was against Sean Legault. Um, oh, there you go. Yeah, exactly. Right. You have the mitts glued on for four <laughs> years and then that's the first guy you face. When you, uh, <laughs> so, um so yeah, I ended up making that team and it's not something I, 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 I think I just barely made it. And then, uh, yeah, it was great. I, I couldn't have picked a better, a better, um, place to start, but man, you want to talk about some tough dudes. There was, uh, it was chock full of them. Yeah. I was going to say, well, to put this into context for people, cause they might not have, of course, the, uh, the Corpus Christi roster handy. Uh, you had Jeff Bombstead, Craig Cox, Van Horlick, Wingfeld yourself and Phil Volk. <laughs> Phil Volk. And I mean, there were some silent killers on there too. Like Lorne Taves could take people yep. apart. Donnie Martin was on that team. Like there was, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, like, and the thing is, Bummer and Weir could play. I was going to say, if you, if, if you want to see people who look like their fucking stats are from a video game, Wingfeld and Bumstead, especially, holy shit. He'll put up right. like, he put, oh fuck, I forget what season it was. I swear he had 400 pims one year and still put up 120 points. It was stupid. It, it, it's it was insane. stupid, man. And then just beating the brakes off guys, right? Like, I, um, still fucking jacked to the gills today, too. He's still, is he really? Oh, he's huge. Yeah. Yes, yeah, I think he's yeah. in. He's in the group. I know that much. Is he really? Yes. Yeah. And, and like I said, man, like you, <laughs> as the ninth or tenth toughest guy on that team, I knew I wasn't going to be fighting their heavyweights because they, you know, those guys were after Bummer and Winger, and um, you know, it's funny. I led most of the, the strength and conditioning stuff my senior year at Dartmouth. Like, you know, whatever the highest category was, I was in that. Uh, you know, I go down to Corpus Christi and uh, decide to work out with Winger at the team gym the first day. I felt like a little boy. <laughs> <laughs> he just throws 415 on the bar and just starts, you know, you know, when you, 
you you move the weight with so much velocity. There's like a ring to the plate. Oh yeah, the you, you, the, the, they almost rattle a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> dude, ringing up four fifteen. Ding 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 ding. I was gonna say yeah, I can do that with two twenty five. I ain't doing that with four fifteen though. Fuck no, <laughs> dude. That's what I was like. I was like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good, man. I'll do my own workout over here. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll go do some calisthenics over here in the corner. We yeah, get a, we get a couple band And then like here. like I said, you had like you know such great role guys like Quinner, like that kid. Um, Man, you'd want to talk about having a set. That kid would kid would fight anybody, get mopped up, and then just go right back at the same dude. Like that, he was uh, he was a great teammate, man. No, for sure. And I gotta ask, you know, legendary status with Craig Cox. You know, his fights with Probert will go down in infamy in hockey history. I think. Um, you know, how was it? You know, if you you know how you guys have that tournament where you know all the the. the you, there's that term with all the tough guys. The Bob Probert Invitational run by Forest Line Voice, of course. <laughs> there you go. If you had that same tournament and you asked tough guys who the best dude they ever played with was, it's going to be Craig Cox on one side and it's going to be Craig Stahl on the other. I'm telling you, two of the – Cox, he's one of the best – he's a world-class human being, man. Like, he really is. Like, he he would always grab the rookies and, and take them aside and just be like, hey, you know, this – you should do this or – it was it was beyond just hockey advice it was life advice too and um you know he just never uh the way he managed his emotions and carried himself like he was just i always watched him right just because there was so much wisdom in in all his years of hockey and you know down the road when he coached um he was trying to get me to come to huntsville and i had a family member that had been in a you know not a great position and coxie literally said hey I'll, i'll come up here and solve that for you and I was like, you know, like, that's the type of human being he is, man. He's just, you know, I could sit here and talk about how great Craig Cox is for an hour, man. He's just, he's a world-class human being. He really is. No, for sure. And literally every time I've mentioned Craig Cox to somebody who's played with him, nothing but good things to say about him. And I mean, t- such a tough dude, too. Uh, you know, those fights, with, those fights with Probert are just absolutely insane. Um, oh. So, I mean, and I, I, who was, I think it was Doug Mann that said he ended up fighting him. Old Dougie, I had him on the podcast. I think he ended up fighting him, I think, in the sun, the Sunshine League um, when they were out here in Florida at one point. And he said he was just begging him to go because he just wanted to say he was able to fight Craig Cox. <laughs> That's Why, it. man? I mean, the, guy, the, guy's, the guy's giving everything he's got to the game, man. I could be wrong. Home. I could. It might not be Doug Mann. I think it was, but I could be wrong. You're but right. That, someone did. Someone so, did. Yeah, well, I was about to say, I don't want to, I don't want to put words in Dougie's mouth because I don't, I don't, I'm not 100 percent sure if it was him. I'm trying to remember because it all starts meshing together once you interview so many guys. Right. Well, and it's it's a little bit deflating too, right? Because Cox was in the show as you know as a tough guy, but then he's in Corpus Christi dangling second yeah. line, second power play. Like he's a really he was a great hockey player, and I'm like, oh my god, this guy's got hands like that, and he was only this up there. Wow, that's a long. That's a lot further away than I thought, man. Oh, exactly. That's what people don't understand. It's like you know they they see these guys today, and even the, you see Ryan. People saying shit about Ryan Reeves. Oh, he's such a duster. He's a fucking plug and whatever. And it's like you put him and the, you know on wheel circles around him. You put him in your best beer league or whatever. He'd fucking skate circles around everybody, and not even beer league. Absolutely. You even throw him in the coast. He's doing it too. So absolutely, it's just it's absolutely. it's funny, and that's just, like you said, that just shows how how high of a caliber the play is at the NHL level compared to everything else. Cause like you said, Craig Cox was a, a fourth liner in the NHL and he's out there wheeling and dealing. Oh, I agree. And then the thing is, is like, he, he just was always even. Right. And like, like I was telling you earlier, the only time I ever saw him uneven was at our Christmas party. 
and he was concerned about something. And when, when there's a guy that tough that's concerned about something, it grabs your attention. And right. then I start seeing other guys on the team concerned about something at our Christmas party. I'm like, what, what could be going wrong at our Christmas party? And the elevator doors open up and Link Gates steps out into the Christmas party. <laughs> and I'm like, who's that? And they're like, it's Link Gates. I'm like, who's that? And then I get filled in on the whole, but yeah, it was. Oh, so um, you, you had no clue who Link Gates was at the time? No, I had no idea. All I knew is the, the, the energy in the room was gone. Like the boogie, the boogeyman that. came in. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> the only, only time I've ever seen Coxie concerned, man. Only so time. wait, what was Link doing there? I have no idea. Like, I don't know if he was wanting to try out for the team or whatever. He just showed up like two days before Christmas and at the Christmas party. So <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. But like, like I said, it was unnerving because you saw these, you know, these pretty tough dudes that were, uh, you know, just acting like, well, we've never seen them act. Yeah, it's about to be like the okay corral at tombstone there. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. yeah, no one link gates. He probably just went in there for some nog and fruitcake and probably just left after that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh shit! But uh, so, well, you know, you're with Corpus Christi, and this is the WPHL. And at that time, I mean, this league was fucking tough. The WPHL was yeah. was no joke. The old the old Whipple. Um, how was that for you? Because it's, I mean, this is your first year pro, and you're in a really tough league on a tough team, no less, with uh, the Ice Rays. So, yeah. was it different for you to see how tough of like cat, like I guess the, the the caliber of tough guys that were in that league it was just a different level, right? Like now you're talking about guys that can break your face, right? Like, and they were everywhere. It, it, you know, regardless if you're going to Abilene or if you're going to Odessa, like wherever you went there, they were there. Like I said, I think I was very lucky because we had so many heavyweights on the team. When I was getting in fights, a lot of times it was with the fourth, fifth or sixth toughest guy. Like I don't, um, you know, I took on a couple heavyweights, but a lot of times those were the guys that, you know, bummer and winger and, and, and those guys were going after bulky. We're going after Right. So Phil, how was it playing with Phil? Well, Phil Valk, I mean, he followed you a shit ton for the rest of, I've, as I go through your guys' career, well, I should say your career, um, you know, line by line and looked at the rosters. Goddamn, he was your teammate all the damn time. What was it like playing with well, him? And you know what? He was my first ever uh, junior fight. So he got traded to the Clippers. I'm trying out as a 16 year old. He pinches down and I ran him and he's like, you want to go? So I was like, sure. <laughs> And, uh, so it was funny when I finally caught back up with him in Corpus Christi, you know, he, he would always like threaten me sometimes. I'm like, Hey bro, I'm not 16 anymore. You know what I mean? Cause he, so he was 20 when I fought him at 16, but Balky's awesome, man. He, um, I would have to say, I'm probably the one that followed him. He got me to Macon and then he also got me to, uh, New Mexico. The problem with Balky is he has the spine of a jellyfish, man. So like I get to Macon, it's supposed to be a tough team. Well, his back lasts for like one game and then he's out for the season. Oh, Same shit. deal in New Mexico, man. Like just, just, just a chandelier. Oh no, for sure. Well, so that year in the, in the Whipple though, I got to ask. And of course I've had him on the podcast with Todd Screwy St. Louis. Did you guys play the, the Glacier Cats at all out in Arkansas? We did once. We Cause did I, once. I think that was the, and I could be wrong, but I'm almost positive. That was the year they had little John. Rushton, Melnichuk, Screwy. I think that was that year. It was 90. They had, 90. Uh, well, uh, Kimball was on the team too. Kimball, yep. Oh, Kimball. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So we went in there. We, and I remember this vividly. Van Horlick's in the mirror punching himself in the face <laughs> and, to the point where he cuts himself <laughs> before the game. You know, and I remember like Bummer's right beside him, like putting Vaseline on. Like I said, Arkansas was tough, man. So we, 
we knew we were going in on it. And um, we had these reporters from the Vancouver Sun. And the game was chippy early. And I think uh, Screwy and Quinton got got at it early. And I think both of them were thrown out. And I know that game, um, I had Kimball on the wall. And he was down in our zone. And I was cross-checking him. And I hit him right between the pads. And he just turned around and threw the biggest elbow at me. And I just I – just, slipped the glove and like hit him as hard as I could. And, and the refs got in there and he's like, I'm going to kill you. And he's throwing the refs around. <laughs> and I knew it was the only time we were going to play them. So like, I was like, thank God. Cause I don't, you know what I mean? I didn't, it's the wrong guy to mess with. Right. Oh yeah. Darren um, Kimball. Fuck. I mean, he was just, that was oh, one of those yeah. dudes that's just a punch in the face contest fight. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Tough dude. So he, uh, I had a couple close calls like that through my career, but, uh, um, no, they were tough, man. Like I said, uh, was Mar- I think Mar- was Marty on that team then? Was Melnichuk? I I think he was. I'm I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, and I can look it up. But I want to say that was the year they had like like I said they had Kimball, Melnichuk, Little John, Rushton, Screwy, and I they might have had one other other tough guy. Yeah, they were. And and I played my minor hockey against Rushton, so I knew him, and I knew you know I knew what he was all about. But like I said, anytime you saw like Winger and Bomber getting up for something, you know something was coming, right? Like you didn't uh, right going to war with those two were getting ramped up. Yep. Let's see. I'm looking. Yeah, it was 98-99. Let's see. I mean, yeah. I got it up here on my phone. Yeah, they had they had Kimball, Rushton, uh, Orzoff, Harrison, Doyle, St. Louis, <laughs> Melna, Chuck, Little John. I mean, that team was it was it was stacked. That yeah. team was like that's borderline yeah. a fucking L and H team at that point. Oh yeah, and Todd had that like that, like that dyed blonde hair. Man. Oh, it was like bleach blonde. Yeah. Oh fuck yeah, it looked like like something straight out of like this like a surf magazine. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Yeah, that team was that team was ridiculous. That team was just absolutely ridiculously stacked. Um, they were, but that was what was crazy with that league is everywhere you went, right? Like even Abilene is like still didn't know, and um, they had a, like they had killers on their team. Oh yeah, you and, had like the um, ice bats and shit like that too. Yeah, like Jeff Greenlaw was up there, and, and Anderson was there, and, and and that was what was interesting. Like if you, we're lucky that you know Bummer and, and you know Winger won so many fights because like, you know the, when you see like one of your heavyweights lose, it's like that hits your psyche pretty hard, right? Because you're like, wow, this is the toughest guy on our team. You just got taken apart, and and uh, you know we were lucky. You know those guys did so well because I think when we're talking to buddies on other teams, like when your heavyweight gets you know, hurt bad. It's, uh, it's tough for the rest of the team. Oh yeah, no, for sure. And that's like, you know, especially in that league, I got to laugh with yeah. them. Um, <laughs> putting on Vaseline and shit. It reminds you of slap shot. You know, what the fuck are you guys doing? We're putting on the foil, you know, oh, dude. Like... <laughs> the stuff you saw in that league, besides the Vaseline and like the Jersey mods. And uh... I was going to say, did you have any Jersey mods? Cause you know, I'm a big Jersey guy. So I got to ask. I know you are. I, I didn't, man. I, uh, I got hammered by a Jersey mod when I was in Penticton. The, the heavyweight in the, in the BC League was a guy named Don Hearn. And he was mic'd up um, because there was a program that used to come on TV before the Canucks played at, at 7 o'clock. So he's playing for the Kelowna Spartans. Um, we're killing him in our barn. And he wants to get on TV. So he's like, Pete, you want to go? <laughs> I turn around I'm like, sure. And I drop the gloves. And we fight. And it, it's a pretty even fight. And at the end, we both have each other. And the refs are like, are you guys done? And he says, nope. And he had his jersey Velcroed from his cuff to his armpit and just went <sighs> and then hit me with a cross that cracked my helmet in half. Oh, he Jesus. Broke my, <laughs> broke my helmet. If he would have hit me with it, he probably would have killed me. But uh, 
Yeah, dude, I, that's uh, that that one was probably the worst one I ever saw. Man, Velcroed all the way up. I've heard. I remember. I can't remember if it was McCray or Churla. I know for a fact John Cordick did it, but that Velcro and it didn't last long. The NHL was like, no, fuck that. Um, yeah, exactly. it didn't, it, that, that did not last long in the, in the show, but of course this is the BC league we're talking here. So yeah, you're hanging onto a little piece of Jersey and oh, the yeah. guys just flinging away. <laughs> it's <laughs> the wild west. And for people who might not know what we're talking about. So it, with, with, when we say the Velcro, literally what, what the trainer would do was they would take the sleeve and they'd cut it all the way down. Well, in your case, he cut, cut the guy's sleeve all the way down to the armpit and sewed Velcro onto it. So as soon as the guy was able to pull and like, uh, at the end of the fight, like Sean had said there. As soon as he pulls away and just puts his arm down in it, the whole sleeve comes apart. So now you got nothing to grab onto. Um, so that, that's just insane. I love it, though. Yeah. I, that's one of the best parts about all the tough guy jerseys is you get to see all the fucking crazy mods that they had. Oh, I, and I imagine, like I said, those guys were smart, though. Like, they were just giving themselves every advantage. And and uh, like I said, I, I, like, I was never looking for it. So I was like, oh, if I fight, I fight. So I never even thought about modifying my jersey. You know what I mean? I think... Uh, I may have put Vaseline or, or tough skin. They would tough skin up their knuckles, right? So it'd be like, you know, you're going to go fight. You tough skin up your knuckles. And then so that when you hit someone, it was, you know, it was taking half their face with you. Oh, yeah. I think one of the craziest things, and I, uh, of course, he he said he actually did it because I know it was up in the air until he came on the podcast. But old Kevin Kaminsky putting the like cuts and chisels up in his CCM helmet. So when guys would hit it, they'd skin their knuckles on that shit and just it's just like it goes the list goes on and then i of course yeah. last episode we talked with like toporowski putting like icy hot in his gloves so when he gives somebody a face wash it just burns their face like that's just brutal like uh, right. people people just don't understand the shit that was like going on back then it's you see people who think tom wilson and ryan reeves are mean today that i mean this was that made that looks like stunt like sunday school it's crazy oh i agree i agree oh shit um <laughs> for sure man so the next year though you ended up out in the coast with south carolina how'd that happen well you know what i thought i had a great year in, in corpus and um could have gone back there and i thought you know what i'm trying to make the national hockey league you know and if not i want to see if i can do this and if not i need to do something else so i actually went out and um i searched for the toughest coach to play for in the country um and that guy was john brophy <laughs> and he was a coach at Hampton Roads. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to call this guy and see if I can go out there. So I call him, and they thought enough of me that they're like, yeah, if you can get to camp, you can skate. So <laughs> I made my own way there. And uh, there was only about – I think there was like six spots. They had uh, a bunch of guys returning. You know, they were affiliated, with, I think, with the Blackhawks that year. So went through camp, and Alec – by far the most difficult training camp I've ever been through. Like literally like three a days. Oh, and, God. Um, well, it was awful, man. It was awful. And I was in great shape, so I handled it fine. And uh, I get to the final the final weekend, there's two games. It's a home-and-home home with Richmond. And so Thursday, they post a lineup, and I make I make the lineup for that night. And I'm like, wow, I, I have a chance here. So we go up to Richmond, and you start skating around and warm up, and there's Trevor Sen is up there. Steve Demonsky's up there. I was there. just about there's to ask like if Trevor Sen was there. <laughs> yeah, there's 18. There's 18 uh, Vandermeer brothers skating around. Like it's just like they were, it was. A oh yeah, those team. fucking those fucking Vandermeers. I swear to God, they grow like weeds. I swear. So the Vandermeers and Toporowskis. Right. So we're not going to go in there and run them out of the barn. That's pretty clear, <laughs> right? So the game starts. Um, I had a couple of hits. Um, I ended up getting in a fight in Richmond. I can't remember who it was against, but uh, we lose five, three. 
get on the bus. Brophy's absolutely pissed, right? He's bright red with the white hair. So we go back to Hampton Roads because we're going to play them there the next night. And um, sure enough, get back. My name's on the roster. So I'm like, wow, here we, you know, I'm, I'm close. So game goes on. I don't think there's any fights. We lose 3 1. I was plus one in the game with an assist. And I'm, and I'm thinking, okay, I've done, I think I've done everything I can. So we go into the locker room, everyone's sitting in their stalls and all the veteran guys that are, already have spots on the team are in their suits around, around the team. And Brophy comes in and he's irate and he comes in and he looks around. And he's like, where's number 20. And I was number 20 and, and I didn't know what he wanted. So like, I didn't know what I was supposed to do. So like I raised my hand, like I was like a kid in school and he looks at me. He's like, take your fucking skates off. So I start untying my skates and I'm like, what is this about? So I untie my skates and then like put them together and hold them up. And he yanks them out of my hands. And there's a trash can in the middle of the room. And he throws them in the garbage can. He turns around me and points at me. He's like, you don't fucking deserve to play hockey. And then like, like, honestly, Alec, I think I had so much cognitive dissonance. Like I just, I cannot remember what he told me after that. Like he's screaming at me in front of all these people. <laughs> so needless to say i go back to my uh hotel room don't sleep a lot that night they're making cuts the next day at 8 a.m we're supposed to be at the rink i get there at 6 30 sure enough number 20 is guard there's six garbage bags against the boards one of them has number 20 so i'm the first one there <laughs> they call every other guy in first and uh it's five minutes hey man we're waving you thanks but it's not gonna work for us they call me in last and i swear to god i was in there for 40 minutes and all they did was like try to emasculate me. Like they just like, you're a bitch, you're a pussy, you're, you're soft, you're this, you're a waste of size. Like anything they could say to emasculate me, man, they said to me. Instead of just, hey man, we're cutting you. It's not gonna work here, right? And I'm like, so now I'm like starting to, I'm starting to fume, right? So I go back to uh, my hotel room and when you get cut in the coast, you go on waivers. So the phone starts ringing and all these coaches start calling and they're like, yeah, we, you know, we like your size. We heard you, you know, you don't like the rough stuff. And, you know, <laughs> you heard your soft, but we have tough guys. So you don't have to worry about that stuff. So I'm getting more and more angry. And this is like, you know, Toledo and then Johnstown and like all these different teams, dude. So the next guy calls and I'm like, it's Rick Aduno from South Carolina. And I'm like, coach, I don't care. Um, I don't care what you're paying me. I, I'm like, I need to know who is their biggest rival. And he's like, we are. And I'm like, I don't care what you're going to pay me. I'm coming, which was stupid, right? Because then they signed me to like 300 bucks a week or whatever. <laughs> but, and they, they thought so highly of me. They bought me a Greyhound ticket to, to South Carolina. Oh, hell so, yeah. So I'm like, yeah, I'm heading to South Carolina. So um, head to the Greyhound station. And I'm like, you know what, man? Um, this is a new opportunity. Let's go. And, and I kind of, you know, start getting out of my funk. And the last thing I do before I get on the bus is I buy a newspaper grab the newspaper, but, you know, fall asleep. Halfway there, I wake, you know, on the bus, I wake up and I open the paper and I open it to the sports section. And the headline is admirals make cuts. And about two paragraphs down, it says, John Brophy is quoted as saying the biggest disappointment in camp was Dartmouth defenseman, Sean Peake. <laughs> he showed up to camp looking like Captain America, but played like Miss America. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Dude. Dude, I was going to fight everyone on the bus. I was so pissed off. But uh, it was just, it was brutal, man. So, But it was, 
it was one of those things, man. You're either about it or you're not. And and uh, I could have let Brof define me in that moment, and um, and I didn't. And uh, like two years later, I'm on the on the ice for the finals in the Ameri in the Calder Cup finals. So um, it was just one of those things, man, that builds character and builds resolve. And uh, you know, I laugh at it now. All the guys in the race shop got a hold of that because you know what was worse was when he passed away. This guy did this um, basically a review about his coaching career. <laughs> And of course he said, well, the low light for me was when he told Dartmouth defenseman Sean Pete and goes through the whole story again. And I'm oh like, God. Come on, man. <laughs> Just beat a dead please. horse, bud. Come on. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh my God. So, he was I'm an a, interesting dude, man. Oh, and, and like I said, I, I remember um, I was in camp with Derek Ernst was uh, a defenseman that was there too, man. And he was such a nice guy. And I just, I always felt bad for him, man, because like he did everything Brof ever asked, and Brof was always screaming at him. But that was just Brof's way of trying to get the best out of you, and um, clearly, I just wasn't the fit he was looking for. <laughs> well, I mean, you wanted to go to the toughest coach. You got Brophy. <laughs> I, and I would beware what you wish for. Exactly. So, yeah, but South Carolina was great, man. It was um, first of all first-rate organization, and it was it was one of those teams where um, it was filled with like silent killers. Like Jared Bednar, Brett Marietti, um, Mark Tardif. Like there were some there. guys that could chuck a man. And um, you know, again, you get to the coast tough guys. There's another level there, right? Like you're going into some of these barns, and you know, you run into Jason Clark's and some of these other cats. That um, yeah. So and I fought like right away. I think I fought my first couple, two or three games in a row just to show that you know I was I was willing. So you ever have any run-ins with uh, Tasker at all? No, I, you know, I, where was I with Kenny? I can't remember. I, I think the world of Ken Tasker, man, he's just a great, great dude. He, oh, um, yeah. we were in Wilkesbury camp. That's where I was with Ken. Gotcha. Um, when, uh, Brophy had basically all those dudes up there had Tasker and blue and, uh, uh, Watson and all those dudes. Oh, it was, yeah. Yeah. Brophy loved his tough guys. He loved them. He loved them. So, um, no, uh, I'm trying to think who I had a bunch of fights that year. Um, sorry, man. The, the memory's not what it was. Um, fought a lot. I've obviously fought a lot in the South because we, you know, we spent the most of our time in the South, but like right. I know I fought in Mobile, Louisiana, Baton Rouge, I fought. No, I don't, I don't have any of your fight card up until like, uh, shit, what year? I think Oh, two Oh three is when I start getting a little bit of your fight card from hockey fights. Since, uh, you know, drop your gloves is gone now, but right. Well, uh, when your fight tapes a, v, a VHS tape, yeah, I can, I, that's understandable. Well, is it, <laughs> is your fight tape? Do you have your fight tape? I had a fan send me one, man. So if you want it, you can have it. I'll no, if it you have you. a VHS, I'll get with Darren over at fourth line voice. He could probably convert that to a uh, DVD to you or for you. Okay. Um, you can definitely make that happen. Cause I got, you know, I got, got friends in low places. I don't, I don't ask him for much since I pump his fucking tires every damn show. So the least he could do is fill a, fill in and get us a damn right. fight DVD. That bastard. Right. I, don't, I don't know if he's listening yet, but I'm sure he's going to tune in soon. That fucking asshole. <laughs> but yeah, man, like I said, playing with, uh, playing with those guys. Um, I was the better choice. If you're going to, if there was a, something going on at the net, you did not want to grab Jared Bednar. I'll tell you that. Oh no, for sure. Um, yeah, he took he took a kid apart, and I was like, "Whoa!" You know, like just different again, different level, right? Yeah. Um, let me see. I think I got a question here, real quick. Somebody asked. Sorry, his name is in his name's in Japanese, so I have no clue what the fuck it says. Even though I was in Japan for like six months in the uh, the Marine Corps, so didn't didn't 
dawned on me to learn a lick of Japanese. Um, <laughs> but he said, hey, Sean, what's the best chirp you got from a fan uh, in the stands while playing on the road? Uh, guessing you tough guys get all kinds of abuse. So what's the best chirp you got from a fan? Oh, God. There, and there were a couple. Um, I was standing on the ice for the National Anthem in, New, in Amarillo, Texas. And uh, my teeth were busted, man, like big time. And uh, <laughs> right towards the end of the anthem, um, right when it started to get quiet, some fan yells out, hey, Pete, are you smiling or is your tongue in jail? Um, <laughs> which I thought was brilliant. I had another guy um, in Lubbock, Texas, dress up like a scout from the St. Louis Blues. Shirt, hat, clipboard. And I'm coming off after the second period. And he says, Mr. Pete, Mr. Pete. And I, and I look and I'm like, you know, what this guy? And he's like, no, Mr. Pete, seriously, I'm, I'm so-and-so with the Blues. And, and I'm like, why would the scout from the blues be talking to me between the periods? But I didn't want to not, in case it was real, I wanted to say it. So I started answering this guy's questions. Right. And, um, he's asking me about Dartmouth and he's at like, so some of it, there's some legitimacy <laughs> to it. And at the end, he's like, Hey, I have one more question for you. Did you do this stunt skating in happy Gilmore? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. What'd you say? Did you, did just, you, could you even say anything after that? <laughs> No, man, I fist bumped him. I'm like, that's the best thing I've ever heard. <laughs> that's fucking tremendous. Oh, my God. Oh, okay, so his so, name is Chris. And I know, I know Chris, sorry to interrupt you, Sean, but Chris, I know, so I've gotten your name before. I, I apologize. I know he's asked questions before, but his name's in damn Japanese or something, so I can't, I can't always remember it. But, Chris, I appreciate you taking the time to ask a question for Sean. So, but, yeah, I think, like I said, later on in my career, especially in New Mexico, I had no problem getting into it with the fans. So the guy that said the thing about my teeth, Amarillo has really low glass. And, you know, he's still laughing and, and the face-off is in his corner. You know, and, and he's, he's the guy now, right? Because, you know, he made fun of me and he's got me. Well, he's standing up still chirping me and, and he's standing next to his wife who may be the ugliest woman I've ever seen. <laughs> and so I just looked up at him and I'm like, hey, is that your brother? And, and now like, this guy lost, he lost his mind. He lost his mind. Like was trying to fight me when we left. He was at the end of the tunnel with the buses under the arena, like screaming at me, telling me like, come on, beat, I'll kill you. Like just uh, hockey in Texas, man. That's, that's what it is. Oh yeah. Well, it's, I mean, people don't realize that hockey, especially out in the minor pro leagues, fuck, they would take rodeo barns and just convert them into a hockey rink for a night. Is <laughs> seriously what right. it was. And if you were the first team in there after the rodeo, like there were just strands of fly tape all over the locker room oh. and just fly stuff and stuck all over it. So, um, yeah, man, it was uh, yeah. going from Dartmouth to the Texas League or something else. <laughs> yeah. Go, something else. go from an Ivy League school to a fucking rodeo barn to play hockey. Right. I gotta love it. Oh, right. shit. Well, the next year, so you actually, you ended up in Macon, but uh, before we get into Macon, you actually played eight games, or excuse me, even more, you played uh, 15 games with Wilkes-Barre in the AHL. How'd you end up getting that call up to uh, Wilkes-Barre? Yeah, I mean, Graham Townsend. So he was our coach in Macon. Um, he had called me that off season, and I had uh, totally re uh, shoulder reconstruction. And uh, what was hard is I came back to Macon, and I, I couldn't fight. Like I could, I could barely move my shoulder and I was playing cause they're shorthanded probably because Valky was hurt obviously. And um, so like I had all these guys all the time ask me to fight and Chris Schultz and probably Dougie and, and I couldn't. And uh, I remember the first when I was finally cleared, like where I felt like I could, you know, reach out and grab somebody. 
and, and this one dude had been asking me all year, oh yeah, let's fight. And he'd show out, you know, kind of show out in Columbus. Like you, and I could never answer the bell, right? Until I could answer the bell. And then it was on, man, it was great. So um, fought a bunch. And then one day after practice, uh, um, counter calls me in. He's like, hey man, um, we have eight games left. Um, you're going up to Wilkes-Barre. And I, was, I, my first was like, my first initial impression, I remember this because I was down there with Mike Payne and with Valky out, like it was Painter and I doing all the fighting. And I just felt like tremendous guilt. Like this was the shot I was always looking for, but I was going to leave Painter by himself. And I just, I felt terrible. But uh, so I get the call up, you know, get into Wilkes-Barre at like three in the morning. We play Worcester that night. Um, and I score on Dwayne Rollison. Oh shit! On my first game, dude, and I was just—it was unbelievable, right? Because I—I I think the paper said the only time Pete looked like a rookie was uh, was when he scored. Because I didn't even raise my hands. Because I was like, I, I was in such disbelief. <laughs> so um, we go up to Syracuse the next night, and I'm like, because I was only supposed to play a game, and uh, so I'm like, I gotta, I gotta do something. And um, you know, you know, the game's kind of winding down, and uh, I remember—is um, it Jeremy? Jeremy Reich, Jeremy Resch or something like that. Is it Reslich? I think it is. I know. I know exactly who you're talking about. I know exactly. But the name is like the way it's spelled is is off. Yeah. So he's going up the ice. I just chop him. He turns around and I remember us squaring off and like, I'm such a cerebral person. I, I, I way overthought it. And by the time, by the time I reacted, I think he hit me three times and I was laying on the ice. He just looked at me. He was like, good fight. I didn't even throw a punch at the guy. So it was an absolute disaster, man. And I was so embarrassed. And it's it's the one fight. You know, all these guys on this show talk about the one they'd love to have back. It was that one. And, um, and uh, I was like, God, I'm going to get cut here. But the next day, you know, Glenn Patrick comes up to me. He's like, you got any clothes? Because we're going to keep you. And, you know, it was crazy, man. I we go on that run. We go all the way to the Calder Cup finals. They kept bringing in, um, you know, high draft picks. So I would sit one game and then I would get back in the lineup. So I don't work that kid. Um, one of the interesting stories was uh, my first practice there. So we play Worcester, Syracuse, day off, Monday we, we practice. And at the end of practice, we're having a scrimmage at one end. And it's, uh, you know, a couple of the veteran guys, Dennis Bondi. So we're all playing you know, just a half on, you know, th- a five on five. And I keep hearing Dennis Bombi say, I'm telling you, if he does it one more time, I'm going to, I'm laying him out. I'm telling you, if he does it one more time, I'm serious. I'm going to lay this guy out. And then finally I'm like, Oh shit. He's talking about me. So, so, so I'm like, so I just grab him. like, Hey, uh, bones. Am I, am I doing something to you, man? Cause I don't, I'm only up for a couple of games. I don't want to disrupt the harmony and, and what you guys got going here. And he's like, yeah, when you're doing this, you're de- so I was like, hey, no problem, man, done. But thank God I was smart enough to realize <laughs> that Dennis was talking about me because that's not a dude I wanted to tangle with, man. Or that would have been were you, out, were you out there fucking busting drills? Oh, and I must have been grabbing him or something like that or hooking him or something. When he was, it was something to do with with uh, <laughs> net front presence. But like I kept hearing him say to another guy, I want to knock this guy out. <laughs> I can just see you're probably like in the back of like, damn, I really hope like uh, fuck that guy better watch out or else Bones is going to get him. <laughs> yeah. Someone, someone's going to get killed here. <laughs> how, well, how but, was, uh, cause that was, was, that was on my list. I was going to ask you, how was Bonvi? Unreal, man. Like, so my, when you play most of your career in double a, right. You see these guys go up and then they come back down and you think, man, if I get up there, I'm going to do anything I can to stay. 
I'm going to fight whoever I'm going to. I remember Bones fought Jason Payne right in front of our bench on my first game there. And Alec, holy shit, man. Like, they were, like, Bones was trying to put his fist through the back of that guy's head. Like, 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 it's a different deal, man. Like, it was, like, I was like, oh, my God. Like, anyone that's been hit flush by Dennis Bondi um, and, and just kept digging, that's a good, congrats. <laughs> that's uh that's impressive but he was awesome man he's an awesome teammate um and there's some again tough jason mcdonald was super tough billy with billy tibbets was super tough oh, fucking um, billy tibbets billy i've uh <laughs> it's interesting i was with uh i was with billy at a pre-entry draft camp um when we were 17 it was in las vegas and i remember we were just on you know our team was playing his team and there's some dude that knew him and they're lined up right on the boards. And the guy leans out over the bench and says, hey, Tibbets, the only thing tough about you is your home life. Oh, God. And Billy just grabs his stick and just tomahawked this guy right, <laughs> right across the head. And I was like, what, what, what is going on here, man? Um, but I'll tell you what, man. When I was in Wilkesbury, Billy was unbelievable. Like, he was such a – I think because I was, like, the worst guy on the team, right? So I remember going to Roos Chris one night and, like, I'm making like 300 bucks a week. Plus, right? y'all going to fucking y'all going to Ruth Chris at this right, time. Right, and I was just going for dinner with the guys, not knowing. Um, but first, got to pick up my tab, and, and never like was Billy. You know, like just so I got nothing bad to say about Billy. He he, he always uh, in my limited time with him, man, he was always super cool. Oh, that's awesome! I'm glad to hear. And you know, you hear yeah. a lot of uh, excuse me, a lot of a lot of different stories about Billy Tibbetts, but. Um, yeah and that hurt us man like honestly like not being able to take that dude to canada when we were playing in the calder cup finals it, it hurt us so um he's a good player really good player no absolutely um it's crazy because like what he went through and then to even come back and play in the nhl after that too just absolutely insane um i agree well another team i gotta ask you about on that on that wilkes team you had uh, darcy verreau and he went on to play yeah. for quite a while um He's been played in the KHL with Morasti. I can't remember if they were on the same team or if they fought. I think they fought each other on the KHL. But um, how was it uh, playing alongside Darcy Verreau? On one of the best teammates you could ever ask for. Like him, him and his wife Nicole, like like looked out for me because he was really close with Townsend. So when I got sent up there, you know, because Graham Townsend knew Mike Yo, and that's they were just hunting for a defense, and that's how I got up there. So they. <laughs> instantly were like support right off the hop and uh that kid man deserves every lick of credit he can get because like that he built that whole thing out right it you know some people are gifted with this this and this he earned every bit of that and i remember like my first god i guess it was a third game we were playing in in uh, hampton roads and i guess him and aaron downey had had something where downey felt like burrow suckered him or took a sheep shot or something so they line up on the faceoff, first draw of the game, and Downey and, and they drop him. And Downey's really thick dude, right? Oh yeah. He hits Darcy right in the sternum. After the game, Alex, I've never seen a, a bruise like that. It was like it was like this medallion. It was ridiculous. <laughs> like how hard Downey hit him. And Darcy just kept digging, man. Like that guy would he would take all takers. And um I was pumped when he made the NHL. Because he's one of those guys that you just you you can't help but root for because he does it the right way you know what i mean like just um fearless works his ass off treats everyone well like he's just one of those people in life that you want to see succeed like just uh, thrilled for him man oh no absolutely um 
Yeah, it was crazy. Darcy Vero, he made he he did it for a long time too. Like uh like I said, this was circa you know, two thousand, two thousand one. He went on to play into the twenty tens ish or whatever it was in the KHL. So I mean fuck did it for eight years. Yeah. Yeah. He's starting the ripple for the Ice Pirates. So it's just like um but no, man, he's he, like I said, he, him and his whole family are just like they're they're world class people, man. They are for sure. Um, well, I got to ask you about this team, and this is actually a real team name for folks out there listening. This isn't a joke or anything. I know you know exactly what team I'm talking about. So this team name, uh, this was out in the. <laughs> I was laughing. It, 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 we're, like we're all fucking you know twelve on the inside here. Um, so this was out in the Central League. This team name was the Macon Whoopi, and that's a legit team name. It was out in Macon, Georgia. Um, what what was your experience out there with for the Macon Whoopi? So my Macon Whoopi experience started at the Vancouver Airport, um, trying to go through customs, and the customs guy's like, "Where are you going?" And I said, "Georgia," and he's like, "Where?" And I said, "Macon." And I wanted to leave it at that. And obviously, the border guy is going to ask you whatever he wants to ask you, and he's like. To play hockey in Macon, and I'm like, yes, sir. There's no hockey in Macon, and I'm like, uh, yes, sir. There is. What's the team name? <laughs> and I was like, the Macon Whoopie. And so he just stops right there, and he sends me into the room where you get totally torn down, like all yeah. your luggage and all this. Stuff. This <laughs> so that's fucking guy. Oh my god. <laughs> so that's how it started, man. I was, um, like I said, I was I was late arriving because. Uh, because I had my shoulder surgery in the off season after South Carolina and I was excited, right? Valky was there. Um, he said there was a real tough kid, Mike Payne there. Um, they had some goal scoring. So um, yeah, I was excited to get down there and um, it was hard, right? Cause I didn't fight till December and um, loved playing for Graham Townsend. Um, probably the best fans um, of anywhere I, 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 I went. Um, really? I had my sister with me, uh, trying to get her out of town back home and uh their fans were so incredibly kind to her man like uh you know i, I don't even want to name them but like you know terry walker john radford I, who i talk to this day is just like they're just they're awesome they just went out of their way and and um it was such a cool spot because no one there would ever think ah, i'm gonna go to macon but like the fans made that place what it was and uh it was cool playing for towner like anytime you get to play for an ex-nhl tough guy um he's gonna teach you some things um, we lost bulky early in that season and, um, it was hard, but, uh, like I said, you, you um, there were some tough dudes in that league too, man. Do you, well, do you remember anybody you fought that season? Yeah, I fought, um, gosh, I fought, uh, I think for a second, I, I fought, uh, I fought Tim Chuck in Huntsville. I fought, um, Steve Moore. I fought. Schultz a bunch of times. I fought Cresties a bunch of times. Um, God, all the fights seemed to come against Columbus. I don't, I'm trying to think if I fought Booner. I don't think I did. He was up in Indy because we were teammates in Greensboro. Um, shit, dude, I'm sorry. Um, oh, dude, you're good. Yeah. Like I said, the fights came so late. Um, I think I may have. I think I only had about a dozen that year because like I said, I only fought from December until I was called up to, to Wilkes-Barre. So, um, and like I said, three of them came in one game against Columbus. So um, it, like I said, the majority of them were against Columbus, never fought Stalzy, um, you know, but, but obviously played against them. And uh, 
was, uh, didn't realize we'd be future teammates, man. Fucking Stalsy, that, that bastard owes me a, uh, a damn beer at a bar somewhere in Tampa. Never got back to me. It's hard to reach. He did, well, he's doing like home renovation or some shit now. Yeah, yeah, he's gonna be on HGTV, man. Is what, yeah, he, HGTV. What needs to happen. Oh my that would god, be unbelievable! That would be unbelievable show. It'd be it last a season. That'd be a shit show, but I'd love every second. Oh of my it. god, yeah. But like, no, like I said, there was, um, yeah, I think Tim was a tough. Like Curtis, I'm no, I think I, I might have fought Voth in in hundred in Huntsville. Oh, Curtis Voth. Yeah, yeah, because I remember he had a giant jersey. Like the sleeves on his jersey were, um. Yeah, I'm sorry, dude. I, I I wish. No, you're good. Yeah, Schultz, Schultz, Bayshard, Cresties, Timmer, and I think Both would be would be the dance card that year. That's okay. I don't I don't blame you. I blame the people who don't donate to the goddamn GoFundMe that I've been fucking preaching about for the past like 16 episodes for this damn Drop Your Gloves 2.0, you bastards. I got all all six of you listening here. Seven now. All seven of you listening on this Facebook live feed. Go donate to the Drop Your Gloves 2.0. I I blame you bastards. Um, but well, so if you remember fighting Curtis Voth, whether it was it doesn't matter if it was the year. I mean, fuck it at this point. Um, yeah. How was it fighting Kurt, uh, Curtis Voth? Because, you know, people out there who follow tough guys might know him from the, the tough guys documentary that followed him yeah. and Holiday and LaForge. So how was how was fighting Curtis Voth? Did he still have, like, the long hair going and everything? He did, man. I just remember his jersey being massive. Like, you couldn't, you couldn't, like, you couldn't wrap him up. And and I just remember getting hit. He hit hard. I knew that. Um, it was in Huntsville. Yeah, I, like I said, I just remember it being being really hard to grab. Like he was swimming in that thing. Like you'd see him in warm up, you'd be like, "Oh my god!" You knew it. <laughs> you knew it was that. Um, god, I'm trying to think who out west. Sorry, man. That like I said, that sh- that year was so frustrating, not being able to do half the shit you 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 you, you know that you can do. Um, no, you're good. But, like uh, I said, man. It's, but, it's, but playing, it's you know, you know, it was interesting. I know uh, Painter and Voth got into one that was. I wish there was a tape of it because it was just basically punch each other in the face until someone hits a deck. Like that that kid. I was going to ask you about Mike Payne. Oh my God. Like one of the best teammates I ever played with and like, like South Boston tough. And that's a different, (laughs) that's a different deal, man. Like, Oh yeah. (laughs) He just, um, yeah. Like he, like him and holiday went at it one, one game in Macon and it was, it was like that Bond v. Jason Payne fight, like just totally like no defense, like all offense, all offense, all offense. And, uh, um, you know, I thought enough of him that when we went to New Mexico down the road, I'm sure we'll get into this. He, he was one of the first guys I wanted to go with. Cause like, he just, he was just that type of guy, right? Like would do anything. And that's why I felt, you know, it's funny. Everyone dreams of that call up day. And the first thing I thought of was painter, like doing it himself. But what happened was right before I got called up, he brought a buddy of his down, another South Boston guy. Um, he walks into the dressing room, takes his shirt off, and his nipples, he, his nipples are padlocked. <laughs> <laughs> and his name was Joe Pavone, and he was tough, man. Um, not a ton of balance, but, like, they got in a huge one with Columbus off the ice in the tunnel. And uh, this dude, like, punched out the window to get into the, get into the Columbus room. Like, it was... It was a uh, yeah, different different level, man. Different deal. Absolutely. Um, well, so the next year you actually ended up in uh, in Greensboro with the Generals. Uh, right. How was your time in Greensboro? It was um, it was a mess. 
right? So I start the year out in uh, Wilkesburg and um, have a really good camp and almost make it to the end. And it's, it's opening night and, and I'm still there. And uh, we're eating lunch on a Wednesday. And the ticker uh, on ESPN says the Pittsburgh Penguins trade for Doug Wilson and Ethan Moreau from the Florida Panthers. Two defensemen. I was the only undrafted defenseman there. So I knew, <laughs> like, I'm eating with Parsons and, and I knew I was on my way. So I just went to the rink, grabbed my stuff before Glenn Patrick even got there. And he's like, sorry, kid. So Towners in Greensboro, I go down to Greensboro and uh, opening night, we're playing against Reading and it's a perfect storm. So there's a, there's a dude from Princeton running around and uh, he's cross checking guys. So Towners losing his mind. So he's like, somebody do something. And so I go up to the kid. I'm like, Hey man, you know, cut the shit or we're going to have to do this. Right. And he's telling me I'm a bitch and that, and I'm like, what, you know, whatever. So he cross checks a guy 58 seconds left in the second period. So now Towner's lost his mind. And, you know, he's like, is someone going to do something? So I said, yeah, I got it. So I jump over the boards, line up on as a forward and said, Hey man, when the, when the puck drops, we're going. And, um, Chris, is it Chris Flynn or Ryan Flynn? Who's the heavyweight for the Canadians? It was it was Ryan Flynn. Ryan Flynn. So Ryan Flynn's on the other wing. So Stalsy's on, on the ice with me, who I think the world of. Puck drops. I grab this guy, right? And I tell him we're going to go up the draw, and he's still telling me I'm a pussy and this and that. And this is the kid that played at Princeton. And remember I told you for four years you get to say whatever you want to someone? Yeah, because the, glo- the, gloves are, to- the gloves are glued on until it's time to play fuck around. You got it. So puck drops and I start hitting this guy. He goes to the ice. Five on five brawl breaks out. And I've always kind of gone by the gentleman's rules of hockey. If you hit the ground, that's it. Right. So I'm over top of this guy and I just have my fist cocked and I look over my left shoulder and Stalsy and Flynn are going at it. And there's a pretty sizable difference between Craig Stahl and, and Flynn, right? <laughs> Flynn's a big dude. Yeah. So I look at this guy, I'm going to let my hand go or I'll, I'll kill you. And he lets my hand go and I take three strides. And this is probably, if I could take this moment back, I would, because I felt terrible about it. But I just wind up and I blast Flynn as hard as I can. <laughs> now, Stalsy swears I hit him and not, and not Flynn. But Stalsy's my buddy, man. I, I, I should have known better. Stalsy was probably hanging in there all right. But I just, it was a reaction, right? So they go to the ice and uh, Sheriff's tackles me. When he tackles me, he lands on the bottom, and I'm on top of him. And at that point, it was just like the dam burst. And, it, you know, when you pull your lawnmower out in the spring for the first time and you just – You just keep just, going at it. It's like, come on, you that. bitch, you better fucking start. <laughs> I hit him so many times I thought I was going to throw up on him. Like, it was – it was. Uh, <laughs> I just didn't stop, man, until uh, – Wait, hold on. Hold on. Sorry, sorry, to, sorry to interrupt you. So you did hit Flynn and not Stahl because Stahl on my on my interview swore to God you fucking hit him. I remember that. <laughs> he swore to God you hit him. So you hit I, Flynn. I, like, I think it's one of those things where I just threw my fist, my form, and my elbow, and if anything connect, I think I may have got Flynn with the fist and Stahl with the elbow. <laughs> <laughs> so he deserved it some somewhere somehow. He probably deserved it. So um, so anyways, the refs escorting me off the ice, and I look back and someone's challenging our bench. So I get out all my gear. I'm bare chested at this point, And I almost get to the guy linesman tackles me and I just look over his shoulder and I just run my thumb across my throat. And I'm like, I'm going to kill you. We're playing him tomorrow night. So I didn't think anything of it. And I'm skating off and um, Ken Boone has already been kicked out of the game. <laughs> so, so I'm coming off and Booney has this look in his eyes and I get off the ice and he's like, 
you are seriously fucked. And right then I realized like, oh shit, he might be right. So sure enough, man, I get a call from the league commissioner the next day. And this is like a week, maybe two weeks after 9-11. And the league commissioner is saying, you're as bad as these terrorists. Oh my God. He's like, oh yeah, to me in my kitchen in Greensboro. I remember it vividly. And he's like, I feel sorry for your wife because you're just going to snap and beat her up one day. And I'm not even married. (laughs) And what I knew about this guy was that he had just gone through a pretty nasty divorce and he was crying at the league meetings in front of all the the player reps the year before. And I I was kind of like taken aback by the way he was talking to me. So I'm like, is that what happened with you and your wife? (laughs) Alec, the phone went dead silent. And he just goes, you'll have my decision tomorrow. (laughs) So... So I got, I got six games for starting it, six games for joining the second altercation and six games for making a throat slashing gesture and then a $500 fine. So they interview me the next day at practice and ask my thoughts. And I said, I think the guy's name was Troy Ward. And I said, you know what? It sucks that Troy Ward wasn't better at sports growing up because he needs to see his name in the paper at my expense. They tacked on another thousand dollar fine. So, so, <laughs> so, so I got 18 games, $1,500 fine. And um, I was sent out there to do that and the owner would not pay it. Oh, so, shit. so for the next, for the first quarter of the season, all I did was field calls from the LNH people. Oh, hey, why, don't you go to the- <laughs> why don't you go to the club? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what's the LNH, man? I don't even know what that is. <laughs> So, yeah. Oh my god! I, I bet you I had maybe two dozen calls. I'm about to piss my. I'm about to piss myself. I got too much beer in me for this fucking right. shit. Right. <laughs> so, so yeah, man. And I was oh. just like, it was ridiculous. Oh they were gonna fly. I was like, well, I gotta practice with the team. Well, we'll just fly you up for games. Well, oh. I was like, what? So, yeah, yeah, probably probably twenty calls from those guys, man. So you didn't, didn't you didn't want to go to the fucking you know the the mission or the the Quebec Radio X at the time? I thought about it and I had no idea what it was. I'm like, oh, Quebec, that'd be nice. Like, oh go, go and then I started finding out what it was, and I was like, eh, nah, no, no, not it, no, not it. That's, that's not too it. much. Not <laughs> Holy it. shit, dude! Oh so my it, what, god! It, what the thing? No, it sucked, man. Because I was pissed because our team didn't pick up the fine, right? So I'm like, okay you're not going to pay for me to fight then I'm not fighting. So sure enough, sit out 18 games. Uh, first game back, we'll play Augusta. Um, I remember there was a skirmish at the net and a guy took a late shot at our goalie and I cross-checked him. He's like, Pete, you want to go? And I was going to, and I'm like, nope, I'm not going. And uh, it was the first time <laughs> I ever turned a fight down. And the thing is, it was Trevor Gillies. Oh shit. So that well, maybe, been, maybe that, that was a good thing. Worked to my favor. That actually might have worked to my favor. Yeah, that might have been a good thing. Holy shit. Oh, yeah. my God. That's so, fucking hilarious. You know, one, of the, one of the best stories was, so we were brutal, right? Like, we were out of the playoffs in probably February, maybe even January. Like, we were awful. Oh, God. The point where, like, the owner was just getting rid of guys left and right. We only had four defensemen to play the last <laughs> 30 games. So, like, it was ridiculous. And I remember um, our last two games was we played at Johnstown on a Saturday night, and we were in Winston-Salem uh the next sunday afternoon and nobody wanted to play that winston-salem game so at this point like all we're doing is like getting into it with the fans and like everywhere we go so when you play in johnstown you go through you go through the lobby right 
So we're going out, uh, we're coming back after the first period and there's, you know, maybe a dozen people out there and uh, Stalzy's in front of me. I'm like, Hey Stalzy, check this guy's mullet out, man. I'm like this, this looks like deliverance and like Stalzy's chirping them. So we go in the room, we come back out. The entire arena is outside the, 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 the ropes that like between you <laughs> and they're just screaming at Stalzy and I. So, uh, I'm like, hey, Stalzy, there's that guy with that mullet. Check that mullet out. And Stalzy takes his stick over the guy's head and just kind of wags his, <laughs> wags his stick over the guy's mullet. So we end up playing. We lose, of course. And um, we go back in the locker room. And when we come off after the third, everyone there is screaming and yelling at us. So we're in Johnstown. I shit you not, there's a knock on the door. We open the door. It's the cops. Oh, shit. The cops are like, we, we need to see Craig Stahl. <laughs> I'm like, this isn't happening. Is this really happening in Johnstown right now? So basically what this dude said was that Stalzy tried to tomahawk him and he grabbed the stick at the last minute and saved his wife from it. So like literally the cops hauled Stalzy off. Like he, he went to jail. And we're like, what's what's going on? So then we're playing like noon in, in uh Winston-Salem the next day. So like we're just sitting in Johnstown. We're like, like we're we're never getting out of here. And uh Yes, the Stalzy got off because it was, I mean, obviously it was a, a lie that perpetuated the whole thing, but um, for the cops to come in Johnstown, right, which is the slap shot, which is, which is right. slap shot, and for it to be Stalzy is the guy that gets the Of course it is. Team. It was awesome, man. It was awesome. And of course a fucking mullet is involved. Like, this is like... Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's tremendous. Yeah, it, was, it was a catalyst, man. It was a catalyst. <laughs> Holy shit, man. Oh my god, that's fucking hilarious! I'm still getting over that damn story of the fucking commissioner. Holy shit! Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. my god. Beauty. Yeah. Um. So okay, I got a I got a, a couple here, or no, I just got one. So this is from Chris again. So he says, uh, "How was Ryan? Uh, excuse me if I mispronounce this, but Kumu, Kamu? Uh, yeah. I mean, great dude. Perfect. Like he was a guy who played in pro for pro in Europe for years. Um, yep. And uh. He, he knew Towner really well. And and he actually was in Macon, then came to Greensboro. And he was just that veteran guy who's just a rock, right? And you have one every team. Corpus Christi, it was Reagan Harper. Um, South Carolina, it was Jared Bednar. He was that guy and just like super steady. Um, but just, you know, great, great guy. And I hope – I've lost touch with him, but I, wherever he is in the world, man, I hope he's doing well. No, absolutely. Um, and, of course, here we go. Typical fashion, fucking making a late appearance. Fourth line voice, goddamn Darren, chiming in here now. Of course, he wants to chime in. Uh, he said, just interviewed Paul Frone, said every time he thinks of Pete, he hears Pantera. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so Frone's nickname in Penticton was Splinter because he came to camp. He was maybe 145, 150. Like he was, like, he was a bag of bones. And, but he was an East Van kid and like East Van kids are like South Boston kids. Right. And he would always draw this cross and said East and then Van across it. And it was just this, this, um, thing of pride for him. And man, I'll tell you what, when he took the first guy apart, all of us were like, Oh my God. Like, cause he was just this little guy that was just shredding dudes. And, um, mm -hmm. he was so much fun to be around, man. I was so happy to see where he went because like i said like you this tiny dude out of east van you're just like wow you know you know and uh you know next thing you see he's you know killing guys in the dub and um yeah he was a great kid to play play with man 
Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. But yeah, there's a lot of Pantera back in the day. You know, well, well, fuck, you'd have been tailor-made for the LNH because they played walk every third fight that went on there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Well, Darren, I don't know if you're if you're just tuning in now. I'm sure you're going to listen to the, the whole interview later on down the road. But, Darren, uh, you know, I'm calling you out. You got to make sure you, you have uh, get in contact with Sean after this interview. Let him send you the VHS of his fights and he can convert that to a DVD. I don't know. You know, Darren's kind of big time in us now. He's moving condos. He's moving to somewhere bigger now. So he might be fucking, he's, who knows them out there in Saskatchewan. He's, he's probably going to big time us and just tell us to go fucking pound sand. That fucking asshole. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, seriously, uh, Darren, get, get in contact with Sean after this though, because he does have a a VHS tape needs converted, and it is a uh, fight tape. So that would be great. And I I only say that because I need one as well. I, I need one to hear. I'll make I'll make the wife sit down and watch it. She'll love that. I'm sure. Um, yeah, yeah. Video quality is incredible. Oh, I bet it is. It's you know two two blobs in the in the back corner of a fucking rodeo arena out in, out in Austin right. fighting. Right. Oh, and I, I, I love it because Darren has said before, somebody was asking for fight footage and was like, oh, it's like one of the best fights I've ever had. And, uh, you know, I, w- I really love that footage. And Darren had it. And the footage that comes up is just, it's like two dots in the corner. The, the camera guy doesn't even zoom in. But you hear like the radio announcer. And the radio announcer is sitting there. This is one of the best fights we've ever seen. Oh, my God. Like, this is the greatest hockey fight ever. <laughs> Basically, just like it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. And all you see is just two little two little dots back there. <laughs> it's fighting. It's it was like, oh, terrible, God. man. It is. You know, right? and the, honestly, the, the best fight video I ever had was that 18-game suspension one. And I have no idea where it is. You really? see all of it. You see all of it. And, um... I, was gonna say, yeah, I know so, I know there's one video of you in New Mexico. That's because like, on YouTube there is jack shit for you. Right, bad, but right. like there's one video I think it's it, you guys are brawling or not not really brawling, but you guys have a lot of fights in the same game. I forget who it's against. I can look it up real quick and probably find it. Yeah. Um, okay. But there's really not much of you on YouTube, unfortunately. Yeah, and I was never a big fight tape guy. Like I said, you know, again, I think it was John Radford, right? Like one of the making people that was just cool enough to, to put something together for me. So, Right. Um, well, you know, speaking of New Mexico, you know, you, you ended up in New Mexico the next year for the next two years. Um, yeah. How did you like New Mexico? Loved it. So I knew I was on the downside. Of, you know, when I was sent down from Wilkes-Barre, I, I knew I was on the downside. So I'm like, okay, where can I go play hockey? Ride mountain bikes and rock climb. <laughs> and, and it was New Mexico. And, and what was interesting is they had a good team, but they got pushed around the year before. So I was like, hey, Stolly, what do you think about New Mexico? And he's like, yeah, let's do it. And then my defense partner was like, I'm in. And then we're like, let's call Painter and see if he wants to go. So all four of us went out there. Um, so we wanted to set the tone early in the first game. And the team they had the big problem with was uh, Odessa. Yep. And so Odessa opens up opening night with us. And they had um, Rob Frid and they had, uh, what's Oof. that kid's name? Um, God, they're, I can't remember the other kid on their team that fought all the time. But we're like, okay, let's set the tone early. So um, I hit Frit early, asked him to go. He's not interested in going because now I have this rep that I have an 18-game suspension, right, which which carries a little <laughs> bit more weight, right? Um, so he doesn't want to go. So I'm still trying to get a fight going, and um, the play is going towards our bench, and it's one of their bigger fours. So I hit him into our bench, and I just kind of pin him there. But I hit him right in front of Painter, and Painter's on the New Mexico Scorpions bench. 
And he just says, Petey, hold him, and drops his gloves in the bench, grabs the kid. I have the kid's arms and just starts teeing off on his face <laughs> in the box. He's in, he's in our box, man. And just rearrange this kid's face in, in our box. So I, I can't remember how many games he got suspended for, but he was gone. Like first game to Mexico, he was out and just like murdered this kid. And then Stalzy, um, I think Stalzy fought, uh, God, what was that kid's name? Mick. I don't know if there's a kid uh, with a bunch of penalty minutes there. Stalzy took that kid apart. And, and that's kind of how we started in New Mexico, kind of turned it around. Um, absolutely loved it. Um, you know, like, like I said, it was, uh, one of the, one of the more interesting ones was, um, we were playing in New Mexico against Austin and, uh, it was towards the end of the game. They were, we were beating them in our place and someone said like basically a racial slur to Stalzy, right. Him, you know, him being Indian, right. basically said the worst, worst thing that you could say. And, and Stalzy was irate, right. But couldn't get to the guy. And uh, we played them in two weeks. So I remember going down to Austin and, you know, like you said, hockey players have some memories, right? Yeah. Got long so memories. You got it. So the game's kind of put away and, and, and he just says, Hey, Petey, go grab someone and tie him up as long as you can. So I'm like, okay, no problem. So we go out and it was Ryan Rivard, I think is who I fought in Austin. And so I'm, I'm fighting them. And, and usually, you know, when it's done, it's done. But because I needed to keep the refs involved, um, I, you know, I kept hitting them and grabbing them and trying to throw the refs around. Well, Stalzy goes and grabs this dude that put the racial slur on him, right? And Stalzy's golden gloves boxer, ambidextrous. He starts beating this guy. And I'm not <laughs> letting the refs, I'm not letting the refs get into that one. Like he's just <laughs> teeing off on this guy's face. He fractures both guys' orbital bones. Oh. So basically, this guy is leaving the ice, trying to hold his eyeballs in his head. <laughs> and you can see the guy's wife run down, like, run down this causeway, and then down the stairs. And Stalzi's just leaving the ice like this, like just, <laughs> just wiping oh. the hands. Oh yeah, yeah, but like, like. <laughs> <laughs> just basically you know committed this guy to reconstructive surgery so he looks like a normal human being <laughs> he's got this giant smile on his face just leaving the ice man it was uh it was ridiculous but um like i said he was just a tough dude man i i um you know again there was another time we played up in uh, colorado and they had a tough team and uh Brent Thompson, I mean, he, he was a killer. He fought Bones when I was up in uh, Wilkesbury, and it was a hell of a fight. And I'm like, shoot, I'm going to have to fight this guy at some point. And um, we had a mutual friend on the team, and uh, he, I think he warned Stalzy. And I'm like, well, I, I'm probably, I probably have to fight him. And he's like, no, 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 he, he doesn't want to fight you. He thinks you're Stephen Pete. <laughs> <laughs> He thought I was Stephen Pete, so I never, I never had to fight him. I never had to fight him. Yeah, somehow Stephen guess, Pete just ended up in the old Central League out of nowhere. Yeah, I guess, man. <laughs> and, and like I said, Stephen Pete's a tough customer, man. So I, I got no problem being uh, um, mis mischaracterized for that guy. Oh no, so, for sure. <laughs> well, shit. So. Um, well, one guy I got to well, there's a couple down here, but a guy I got to ask you about because he's popped up a couple times, and I think I think Willie fought him, and and probably Stalzy fought him. Um, of course, you guys are out of the podcast before, but Ryan Rivard, you fought him. Um, I did. How how is Ryan Rivard? I see him pop up quite often in the uh, the old Central League fight cards. 
Yeah, he he was a gamer, man. He would he was uh would take on all comers. Um he's tough. He's a tough kid. Like like not um not a kid you're afraid that was gonna like, you know, shatter your face, you know, not, not like a both or something like that, but like uh he was he was a tough kid. Um but honest, right? Like you have nothing but respect for those guys. Like the guys that hey, you wanna go? Yep, drop the gloves. Um Paul Ferroni was like that. He, he, there's another guy that was just you know, you think a lot of because they do it the right way. And, and you always oblige those guys if they want to fight because um, because they're doing their job, right? I remember we were playing in Lubbock one time and 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 Theo and I, you know, we're both from out west. And, and um, he's like, Petey, if this thing gets, you know, any more out of hand, we may have to go. And I'm like, yeah, sure, no problem, man. So we go down the ice and score. So <laughs> we line him back up and I'm like, I look at him across the thing. And he's like, let's do it. I'm like, yep, let's do it you know, just trying to oblige him because he has to, that's his job. So I always respected guys like that, like Rivard, um, because like I said, they just, they did it the right way. Yeah, absolutely. And it, well, there's another guy. You, I, I look at your other fight card um, from the following season. I think you, you fought Paul Ferroni quite a bit, actually. Yeah, a couple of times, a couple of times. But it was just because that's what he had to do, right. right? Like I had no, I have zero animosity. Him and I hit up, uh, talked on LinkedIn before, um, you know, there's a couple guys you lead the game with that you have, um, that you hate, but Paul Ferroni is not one of them. Absolutely. Um, well, so your final, your final year, you pack it in a little bit here and you're, you're with Winston Salem. Um, how'd you end up there? Um, well, hold on. I see, I hold was, on. I see you got a, I see you got a smile going on there. How's, uh, I, I got to hear the backstory cause I'm sure there's something good to go with it. No, basically I was, I was, I was in NASCAR at that point. Right. Like oh, the reason okay. I didn't go back to New Mexico for a third year is because I was full-time NASCAR and Brian Wells calls me and he's like, you, can you come help us? And I'm like, yeah, what are you thinking? And he's like, Oh, I need you to do this and this and this. And I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'd wrench on the race cars all day. And he's like, well, how about you just, you just come to games. And I was like, what? So he's like, yeah, you just play. You don't have to practice. Just come and play. And it was single a hockey. Right. So it was, um, it was awesome, man. Like it was, uh, I, I, in all my years of hockey, Alec, I've never been a first star, second star. I've never been, a, I scored an OT winner when I was there. I was fighting kids that were like, you know, 19, 20 years old. Like it was awesome. I did run into someone in Fayetteville though, a, a kid, and you may have his name. I don't know what it was, but he was tough. Oh man. I could probably pull up your, I, I should have your fight card up here. But I know. Well, so I was going to ask you about Brian Wells. We, you know, what was it like being coached by him, though? Because you know, kind of a former tough guy. Um, yeah, it's, former it's... tough guy. I, I really liked Wellesy. Um, it didn't end great. You know, I got stiffed out of a bunch of money, but uh, it is what it is. But like, I, I enjoyed Wellesy. I, I, I felt, um, I felt bad for him, man, because like I think sometimes these guys cling to the game, and and it's. You know, it's almost like there's a desperation there that they need to do this, this, and this, and they don't, right? If they're just, uh, um, like, we weren't, we weren't tough. We had no direction. We were, were not a good team. But um, like I said, I think the minors just takes a toll on some of these guys, right? Like, I, you know, when Wellesley was in Wichita, man, like, that was a guy that you didn't want to mess with, right? Um, but, like, you're with these owners that are just nickel and diamond you. And, like, I think that just takes a lot out of some of these guys. And, it just takes a little bit out of you. You know, I know like when I went from my last minor of pro game to a NASCAR team, I remember being shocked at how professionally it was run. And like, just, and all I mean is you get per diem 
they, they don't leave at 1201 to save eight bucks on for <laughs> you know what I mean like um so yeah but but Wellesley like I said I, I enjoyed I enjoyed uh, playing for Wellesley and and uh like I said it was uh single a hockey it was a different deal so the, and the, and I do remember who that uh the guy in the Fayetteville thing on YouTube you're talking about was a kid named Dion Hyman I think it was was it name. was it versus Laredo yeah Okay. Yeah. That's why, okay. So somebody, I think it was Jeff that had said it in here. Uh, Jeff Ames. Yeah. I know he's a he's been a follower in the group quite for quite some time now. Um, so and he basically, so basically, what happened was um, I had fought Mark DeSantis um, three games before, and what happened was uh, we were in Amarillo. Amarillo scores, and something happened in front of the net, and I I was the penalty, so I got out of the box and went right down there. And, and DeSantis and I ended up, you know, having a, a good one. But I get suspended for two games because I came out of the penalty box to do it. So we're playing in Laredo, and this Hyman kid suckers like our – like there's a big brawl out and like literally suckers our best player, Peter Ambrosiak. And I remember trying to get after him. In, like I was in street clothes. And it's the, it's the angriest I've ever been. Like if I could have got to him in street clothes, like I wasn't going to stop. And like, but I had the cops in front of me and I was just like, when we get, when we get to Laredo, man, we're, we're going to figure this out. And, um, that game was like, it was, it was chippy and they had a tough team. Right. And, and it was chippy right off the hop and, uh, asked him to go all game, asked him to go all game and, and we're running out of time and he wasn't going to do it. So I forced the issue, dump the puck in the goalie freezes it. And you can see like, there's a really late cross check that comes in <laughs> and I just cross checked him. I'd like, cause I was going to give him no choice. And the one thing that I have no respect for is when you suck, when you do something dirty, right. If, if Flynn wanted to come back and be like, Hey Pete, we're going, I would oblige him. Right. Because what I did to him was, was dirty. Right. And I feel like I owe him some type of penance. Right. Okay. Are you sure, wait, hold on. Are you I, sure you didn't, are you sure you didn't put Stalzy? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So exactly. when I punched Stalzy. <laughs> yeah, right. But no, 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 I get what you're saying. But here I am, I get a chance. I'm like, all right, let's 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 square this off. All that kid did, I start hitting him and he just tries to tea kettle me, right? He just, if you watch the fight, he just grabs my pants and upends me. And, and it just, um, yeah, man, like I said, it, that's a dude that uh, I have zero respect for. And, and there's not many of those guys, but he's certainly one of them. Well, the guy, the guy I think you were talking about in Fayetteville, and I just looked it up, and I, funny enough, I had actually had his name down. I didn't write that he was in Fayetteville, but was it Jeff Cloutier? Yeah. So that was the tough yeah. kid in Fayetteville. Okay, because yeah. I had I had my buddy, uh, you know, Jay out there in, um, out in Iowa asking if it was uh, Caleb Mofat, but I think it was Jeff Cloutier because that was on your fight card. Yeah, I think Cloutier's right. But, yeah, I was shocked because, like I said, when you're – that many years into it and you're in single a you're not thinking there's kids that hit that hard and this guy this kid hit pretty hard because i was just i was doing whatever i wanted to it was like when um steve parsons talked about going back to junior and he was just doing whatever like i saw some of that show when parsons went back to junior my parents are season ticket holders for the nanaimo clippers my, right my dad said it was awesome like, it was just, <laughs> just running goalies and doing whatever the hell he wanted because no one was going to touch him right oh, like no, steve not a hand, no, like Steve's hands are like like a bunch of bananas, man. Like like there's as a as a sixteen year old, like Persons was Persons was a beauty man. Absolutely. Um. Well, so I I know, and I I was gonna bring him up, and I think we just have I I was gonna bring him up with uh with Greensboro, but Jeff, uh, excuse me if I don't know how to pronounce this. I know he definitely played with you, but uh, Jeff Zier Zier, there's he, yeah. 
Yeah. So he says, you know, he says he, he played with you and he, you were a great teammate and he has nothing but respect for you. Oh, man. And likewise, there's he was just a fun guy to be around. If we would have got him earlier, man, we might have had a, a chance. But here, there's a guy that just, you know, came out every night and, you know, if he had to hit or fight or whatever. And, you know, he, he was like that. Uh, we had another kid on our team, Chris Broussard, who was a really tough guy. Um, man, him and uh, he got into one with uh, uh, Jordan Tutu up in Roanoke one night. And, and oh. Tutu's a small guy, but man, like, just like his brother, man, like he, uh, it was, it was a battle, man. But tell Zer, I hope Zer's doing well in life, man. I, I see him every once in a while. I'm, I'm not on social media much, but uh, um, yeah, he was a guy that I enjoyed playing with. No, I know he's in the group a lot. He, he comments or likes stuff a lot. And so I, I just apologize. I didn't know how to pronounce his name with how, how the fuck that spelling is, but yeah. <laughs> you know, what well, with my last name being Olin Salen, you know, a lot of people don't know <laughs> how to, how to pronounce that either. So I, I totally get right. it. Um, but so, you know, what made you pack it in? Was it because, you know, the whole NASCAR thing going on and it was a, it was a better opportunity for you than minor pro hockey at that point? You know what it was, man? I, I swear to God, this is what it was. Our last road trip in New Mexico, we went Albuquerque to Shreveport to Indianapolis to Wichita, back to Albuquerque in, in three days. And oh, like rough. I had that little taste of NASCAR. Like when you travel in NASCAR, you drive your car to a private airport, get on a private plane, you fly right to the racetrack, your rental car is right there. You go to the track and then you get paid 10 times as much as I was being paid in the mines. And I just remember that last bus trip. I'm like, shit, I think I'm done. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, <laughs> and uh, you know, it's funny. I always thought that I would just, um, I would just do NASCAR for a couple of years and then, uh, you know, kind of head home and be a firefighter or get back involved with hockey. And it was, it ended up being 20 years ago, man. I've just, I've really enjoyed it. And it's been a crazy ride. Like we've done everything from um, like Talladega nights was filmed at Chip Ganassi racing. So I'm, I'm in Talladega nights uh, with Will Ferrell and all those guys. Oh, really? Those guys. Oh yeah. So like the, the, what was interesting is we were at practice one day and uh, this huge congregation of people comes out with video cameras, Will Ferrell's there, um, Michael Clark Duncan's there and they're like, Hey guys, we're filming this NASCAR movie and they need five people to be the crew, the crew guys. So they take headshots of 35 of us, right? Cause there's 35 guys in the program and they pick five of us. Well, think of this. I'm just coming off a minor league hockey career. I have, you know, a thousand minutes, however many fights I have. It looks like I've been eating rocks for the last <laughs> seven years. I've spoke four teeth in my mouth. So I look what their version of a NASCAR person would look like, right? Just some toothless hillbilly. Um, so yeah, I got picked for the movie and uh, we, we filmed it with those guys for like three months. And um, yeah, I'm in a bunch of different scenes in, uh, in, uh, <laughs> in and throughout the movie. So it was a really cool experience, man. Oh yeah. Well, there you go, folks. You got to go back and, uh, you know, get, get the get the frame by frame of Ricky Bobby seeing for a, a, a beautiful mug shot of Sean Pete out right. there. Right. But what a good dude, man. Like Will Ferrell is uh, one of the coolest stories of that deal was, you know, Michael Clark Duncan's a massive dude, right? That's a, the huge black guy in the green mile. Yep. And, and Alec, his arms are bigger than our legs. Like he is, a, he was a massive, massive human being. And uh, he was doing MMA before MMA was even a thing. And uh, I remember going into Talladega and we're, we're all on the bus and he's sitting right behind me. And he's got that really deep voice. And we go down the tunnel. And as we come up, there are so many Confederate flags in the infield. You would have thought Robert E. Lee's Army of Northern Virginia was in there. Yep. <laughs> all, all you hear is this massive dude just go, 
whoa like, like he, was, <laughs> he was he was shook man i'm telling you he was shook by it but uh yeah like i said not, not anything i thought i would do um what's cool is we started a leadership company a couple of years ago and it's starting to gain some momentum and um we're actually starting to get you know talk to national hockey league teams we had rod brindamore in the building um earlier this year um may do some stuff in the whl with a whl team out west so i missed the game tremendously and, and uh, any chance to get back in it i would certainly jump at no absolutely um and another question I got for you real quick is, you know, Jay, that bastard out in Iowa, always, always commenting. Um, <laughs> but he asked, uh, do you have any Trevor, uh, excuse me, Trevor Job stories from uh, Winston? Trevor Job stories. Job is an interesting cat, man. Like he's, uh, the guy's a legend. He, um, I, I mean, I wish I did. I nothing that, nothing that sticks out. I think it was so late in his career um he was just kind of i mean he had it on cruise control man he'd go joe think <laughs> trevor joe playing single a hockey right like that i'm scoring overtime winners in this in the southern professional hockey league like that's that's the type of hockey it was man it was it was not great so um you know and i think that was wellsy like clinging to all these guys that you know used to be spectacular and just had not treated themselves well right like i the only way i got to play in the minors if, is if i didn't drink and i went to bed on like because i was a, i wasn't a good player trevor Job and those guys were phenomenal players but they were doing they weren't doing the things i was doing or else they would have been in the show right you know no absolutely um and then uh, honestly man i ended my whole fighting career here in charlotte um i had, i had hung him up and uh i had a, a guy on our team uh playing the ohl and he's like Pete, you need to start playing again and Charlotte has a men's league. So I'm like, you know what, man, I'll, um, sure. Why not? And I, and you had to play the last three games. And if you did that, you're allowed to play in a playoff. So I play the last three games. We go all the way to the finals and we play a team that hadn't lost a game. So it's, I'm in the parking lot in the car and I'm watching this team walk into a men's league game in track suits and I, I phone. <laughs> oh, so I'm like, I tell my wife, this is not going to go good. Right. Cause these guys are taking it way too serious. So we start playing and we're beating them two nothing in the second period. And this guy goes and he runs our goalie and he says, turns around and says, I'll fight everyone. I'll fight anyone on the ice. And honestly, Alec, I remember telling myself, don't do it. Don't do it. And before he knew it, my gloves are off. And I grabbed this guy and I hit him three times as hard as I've any hit any human being. Right. Cause it's probably, <laughs> you know, it's been a while. And um, he goes to the ice and his wife and his daughter are sitting right on the glass where the fight happens. Fuck yeah. So, yeah, so I'm like, fuck, great. I just beat up an accountant, right? Like, I'm like, like <laughs> so I just feel like shit. So I, I leave the ice. Um, we end up winning, and I'm like, I'm done. I'm not playing anymore. So I put it away for like three years, and, and we have another young kid on our team who played in the USHL for Green Bay, and he talks me into going. And uh, – so I show up at the rink and there were a bunch of guys that I used to play with when I played on that team. And they're like, Pete, where you been, man? And I'm like, look, man, I, I felt so guilty after I fought that dude. I, I'm like, I, the last thing I need to be doing is beating up an accountant. And they're like, well, you probably don't feel so guilty now. And I'm like, why is that? And he's like, well, that was Travis Clayton you fought. <laughs> and Travis Clayton was the dude that 
um, like I think he he had a hit out for his wife on. He blamed Elmira and then put a hit out on his wife and and had some guy kill his wife or something like that. Like yep. it was, and, and what was crazy out is I had just watched that 2020 with my wife and, yeah. and never never linking the two things together. And um, but I think he played in Quad Cities, right? I, I believe he did for a little bit. I know J- I'm sure Jay will confirm it here in a couple seconds, but I'm almost positive. Yeah, he did. So that was my last fight. And like I said, I carried this burden around for years. Like, like, <laughs> like I thought I'd beat up some, you know, guy stalking the shelves at Harris Teeter or something like that. And it was, it was, it was this dude. So I was, I was uh, unburdened from that pretty quickly. No, absolutely. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's great. Well, it's all, it, you know, everybody wants to play fuck around until it's time to play fuck around. <laughs> right, right. But like I said, I mean, I, I enjoy what, what you put out in the world, man, this community that you serve, there's a, uh, there's some really great people in it. And uh, I thought it was put pretty eloquently in that um, ice guardians thing about how tough guys are the selfless people on the team, right? Like they're the ones putting their ass on the line for other people. And and like I said, the Wingfields and the Parsons and the Bumsteads, man, I'm, I'm sure they're not talking to the goal scorers. Right? right. None of us talk to any of the 20 goal scorers anymore. We all, we talked to the guys that were willing to lay it down and, and, and it's crazy, man. You, I'm still part of a team, you know, with NASCAR pit crews, you know, we still have a bunch of guys, but it's different, right? Cause you're not, it's probably like you with, you know, when you served, right. You're the bonds of combat are, are far different than the 20 dudes you work with at work. Right. Right. You no, know what exactly. I mean? So um, I think that a lot of us, you know, there's that little bit that, that you certainly, uh, you certainly miss. No, absolutely. And you know, I, I, I got buddies. I, I went to high school with, and I still talk to you to this day, but uh, all my buddies that I was in the Marine Corps with, I, I would say I'm probably definitely closer to, than even my buddies I was in high school with. So, um, it's, and I'm even taking a duck hunting trip up, uh, up North to Utah this December of one of my Marine buddies. So it's just, it's a, it's a bond. Like you said that you won't know unless you're in it. So it's pretty, it's a pretty cool experience. And I'm, I'm glad you got to experience that too with, with hockey. And then it's, it's true. It's like, it's even, you know, just beer league. It's a bond. It's, it's fun. It's a whole, it's a whole lot of fun. Um, but even in your role where, you know, you guys are, you guys are tough guys. You guys are actually going to fucking war every night for each other. Um, I can only imagine what that was like. Yeah. And, and you know, what's interesting though, is I think there's just that mutual respect, right? Like I think that, um, you know, you look at TJ Oshie when he scored all the overtime winners and they're calling him a hero at the Olympics. He's like, right. no, I'm not a hero. I'd never wear camouflage. Right. Right. We, but, but on the other side, we, um, a good friend of mine is a guy named Johnny L. Sasser and he was, um, the security detail for the u.s ambassador in iraq so so pretty pretty bad dude right? right not a good place to be um and when i met him he's like dude you you were in the era of fighting man like you're such a badass and i'm like compared to you no no <laughs> no i'm totally not i'm probably a pussy compared to you actually so i just think it's cool that there's so much mutual respect between the military and um you know the guys that did did what we did you know no, it's no, for sure, and I think it's and I think Ice Guardian said it best too when they when they say in there that you know the the military kind of gravitates towards those tough guys and enforcers and um, what have you. So I, I think it definitely rings true. And throughout my years, as I've gotten older and of course been with the military, I've got, I've only gotten more and more into the enforcer role and the tough guys of hockey. So um, right. I think it's definitely true for sure. Right. And, and honestly, man, we, I only got to do one military night. We did military night in Macon. It was seven, one after the first period for Columbus. 
So I was like, I'm going to put a show on for these people. <laughs> fought Schultz, fought Karestis, and then left my elbow pads in the penalty box, fought Karestis one more time, and I got kicked out to a standing ovation. It was awesome. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, before I let you go, man, I got to ask you one more question, and I ask it at the end of every episode. If you had to do it all again in hockey, would you do it? Absolutely. Absolutely. I probably would have done it more, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, there there sure. are a couple where I wish I would have just gone back at someone. But, yeah, I, I – um, I feel blessed that I played when I played, man. I really do. I, I wouldn't have got, I wouldn't have got as far as I, I, I got without it. For sure, man. I appreciate you taking the time to, you know, come on the podcast and tell a couple stories. And I think a lot of people are going to enjoy this. And you told some absolute, I mean, fuck, I was in tears at one point. So it, it was a lot of fun doing this, man. Hey man, enjoy it. Thanks for what you're putting out in the world, man. Oh, for sure. And of course, this will be out Tuesday for those listening. If you're kind of, if you're coming in later, if you don't go, go back and rewatch it, this will be out Tuesday. So uh, for those out there listening, if you're tuning in late, like I said, you can go listen to this Tuesday. The whole episode will be live then. But, Sean, thank you so much for coming on, man. This was an awesome time. Absolutely, brother. Be good. You, you as well. Have a good one, man. Thanks, man. For your right to fight.